This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. This is our eighth week in Psalms. Uh, It's been incredible. It has been something that many of us have really needed. And it's been something that we have really enjoyed and loved. If not all of us, most of us at least, have really enjoyed it. And I hope you can say the same thing after today. So, our week one, we learned that the Lord is our shepherd. And we do not want another shepherd. Week two, I shall not want another shepherd. We wanted him and him alone. He is the worthy shepherd. Josh talked about how Psalm 22 talks about the good shepherd, 23, the great shepherd, and 24, the chief shepherd. In uh, week three, it was, we talked about the green pastures and how he leads us there through the still waters, and that he is our spiritual provision, and that we need to come ready and thirsty. In week four, he restored my soul. He leads me down the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In week five, something that really meant a lot to a lot of us was how we walked through the valleys. In week six, uh, we learned that thy rod, which is the word of God, thy staff, the Holy Spirit, how they comforts us. In week seven, how he prepared a table before my enemies and how he anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over and how he blesses us. And we literally went from the mountaintop through the valley as we're heading back up to the mountaintop. And now we're at verse six. So each week we've read this aloud together. So we'll start in verse one. So if you guys don't mind, if you'll please read with me. Verse one, ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod, thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. And verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's kind of been uh, amazing to look back and see when we started the series, we had just celebrated Halloween. Since then, we've celebrated Thanksgiving, Christmas, and now New Year's. So we've celebrated pretty much the major holidays during this series. But if you actually look back to when we actually started the church, right, October 1st, since then, we have averaged about 70 people a week. Uh, We have two adult groups that meet each week. Um, we actually have more homes ready to be added as more adults attend. We have a thriving kids ministry to where we have about 20 uh, kids just about every single week. Carrie uh, has done a, a fantastic job. We have uh, a worship team who can play. Uh, we have individuals who can play just about every instrument you can think of and some. We have a vocalist who can just flat out sing. Um, we, it has been amazing to see how God has moved in a very young church in a very short time. 
we have a, a youth ministry that we've begun, and we are gaining momentum, and we are, have big plans for 2018, which, by the way, parents, um, January 21st will be our first student-parent meeting, and we're going to talk about the plans that we have uh, for uh, next year. So right after service, January 21st. Put that little note in there. All right. Um, it's been amazing to see what God has done in our church. But you know what? With failures as well as with success... It can cause fear. It can cause worry. It can cause anxiety. Wait a minute, Jeff. You just got finished talking about all these successes and all these good things. Well, a lot of us really worry about tomorrow. We worry about, well, you know what? Can we keep up the momentum? Can we keep that going? Can we grow the right way? Can we raise the funds needed to find a permanent building? Um, <laughs> can we do that soon? Um, will we grow tired of set up teardown before long? I mean, those are the things that can cause worry and fear and anxiety. We also have core members who are really going through some deep valleys and some struggles. Mandy, who's battling uh, chronic migraines. Maddie, who's been going through some health issues and they're still trying to work all that out and figure all that out. Dawn and Jim, who are working through her brain tumor and as they begin treatment for the new year. There's some scary things. There are some major things that are happening to our young church. We have others who have had surgery recently and had complications. We have others who have been going through some deep valleys and some personal struggles and it's been tough. It's been hard. It's been difficult. And that causes fear and worry and anxiety. And we worry about tomorrow and we wonder, how's it going to work? How am I going to keep my head above water? How am I going to pay the, these bills? What happens if I lose my health? What happens if I lose my job? What happens for this and for that? And you know what? A lot of us spend a lot of time worrying about things that really never happen. We worry about tomorrow. We're worry about, we're excited about this new year, but a lot of us are really afraid of this new year. We're afraid of, man, 2017 was so tough. It was so hard. It was so difficult. What's 2018 got for me? What's, what's, what's going to happen then? You know what? No matter what has changed in the past couple months, no matter what's happened, God's antidote for worry, for fear, for anxiety, for stress, for those things has not changed. We said it several weeks ago. We said that if Jesus is all I have, then he is everything and all that I need. In fact, we said it this way, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, right? That's God's antidote for stress, for worry, for fear. So it doesn't matter if we're in a valley, if it doesn't matter if we are, are finish the struggle for in some deep dark times we have to remember and rely on if Jesus is everything it doesn't matter what else we have what else we don't have he is everything David brings this psalm full circle he starts out the psalm and ends the psalm by focusing on who the Lord who was his shepherd he said in verse 1 what the Lord is my shepherd and then in verse 6, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He brings it full circle. He, his focus is completely on the shepherd. 
And that's how we should be. David is reminding us, hey, you don't need to have focus on what might happen, what could happen, what you're worried about, what you're afraid of, about this transition, about the new job opportunity and those things. You don't have to worry and be afraid of that. Why? Because you just need to focus on him and him alone. And a lot of times we get our focus on the wrong thing. The Bible not only says fear not 365 times, one for every single day of the year, which is another message for another time. David reminds us we don't need the fear. He has the antidote for our fear, for our worry, for our anxiety. And that is the great shepherd. So, did I just go? Okay, I thought it was me. (laughs) I thought I just went out for a second. So that very first word is what? You guys got your Bibles? What's the very first word in the verse? Verse 6? Surely. Right? I really want to talk about surely and exactly what that means. But before we do, we really need to understand who David is talking to and how he's saying it. In verses 1 through 3, David says what? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. David is talking to us about his relationship with the Lord. He's given us the image of a shepherd with his sheep. And then in verse 4... He makes a transition. He does it so smoothly. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. David takes us from the shepherd on the pathway through the shepherd in the valley to the shepherd at home. He is saying that God is your shepherd throughout each and every step. And now he gives us a picture of a shepherd in his home saying, come on in. And a host in his home inviting you in. So that word surely, uh, it, it means something. It means something important because David is talking about his relationship to the Lord. Then he is talking directly to God. And he is saying, surely. If you turn over to Psalm 62... That word surely is translated from the Hebrew word. It's an adverb, but it's really an exclamation point. In Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2, it says, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock, my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. What he, those words there, alone, is the same word, uh, Hebrew word that's translated to surely. So if you read that verse... What you really need to do is put exclamation points. And those verses really read, For God, exclamation point, exclamation point. My soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He, exclamation point, exclamation point, is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. So when we look back and we see Psalms 23, 6, the way we really should read it is, For God, His Exclamation point, exclamation point. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's the way it's supposed to read. David is talking to God directly, and he understands that God is relentless in his pursuit of him. How? Because of his goodness and mercy. So first, we need to um, place our complete confidence in the shepherd. That's what David is doing. You see, when I have confidence in someone, normally I'm saying, you know what? I believe that this can happen. I believe he can do this. 
But David is saying, I am putting 100% all in. My complete confidence is completely in God. And complete confidence is saying, I not only believe it, I know it. Why? Well, look at the rest of the verse. It says, surely what? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of what? My life. So David knows because he looks back on the valleys that he's been through. He looks back at the dark and tough times and realizes that God has been with him throughout and that he still is. How? Because his goodness and his mercy have been following him. How is that? Well, we've had the image of uh, a shepherd, right? And a couple weeks ago, we talked about the rod and the staff and how they comfort me and how that image of the shepherd uses those items to kind of keep us in line and keep us in the fold. Well, a shepherd also uses sheepdogs. And so here David is saying, you know what? God has two sheepdogs. Shepherd, uh, shepherd, uh, two sheepdogs are goodness and mercy. So how does a shepherd actually use sheepdogs? So when someone is going their own way, they're going out into their own direction. They're just decided to go against the grain, go against God and just go their own way. Right. Some of us have done that. Some of us have made those choices. And some of us think because of the choices that we've made, because of mistakes has happened, that God cannot use us. No. In Philippians 1, 6, it says what? He who began a good work in you will complete it. Guys, I want you to understand that no matter what decisions you've made, no matter what choices have happened, no matter what way you went, God loves you. He is relentless in his pursuit of you. He has a plan for your life. And no matter what choices you've made, no matter which direction you've gone, he still loves you and wants to use you. And so he sends his sheepdogs out. And he sends, when you feel that tugging at your heart and that nipping at your heels, that's that sheepdog trying to get you to come back. In Romans 2, 4, it says... The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. That repentance means to what? To turn back. To turn away from the way you're going to turn back to him. So he sends that sheepdog goodness nipping at your heels trying to get you to turn back to him. Why? Is it to scare you? Nope. Is it to uh, hurt you or punish you in some way? No. A lot of people really think the Bible is a list of don'ts. You can't do this. You don't do that. You shouldn't do that. God is positive. He's not negative. And when you look at Scripture and you follow what God is saying, if you spend a lot of times doing and following God, you really don't have time for all the don'ts. We don't have time for all the negative things. God is positive and he loves you so much that he sends his sheepdog goodness to get you to turn back and come back to him. So not only does he have one sheepdog named goodness, he has another one named mercy. So when you come back to him, mercy is there waiting for you. Mercy has two sides. There is forgiveness and there is grace. Forgiveness is what? Where he just wants to restore you. Mercy is what? Where he's going to give you what you don't deserve. So he sends one sheepdog to turn you back. And he has another sheepdog named Mercy who is there waiting for you, wanting to restore you, wanting to bring you back into the fold, making sure that everything is okay, everything is all right. And he is wanting to restore you and give you abundant grace. 
that grace where you don't get exactly what you deserve. He does not stand there and say, hmm, yep, told you not to do that. No. He says what? Welcome back. Welcome home. You're welcome here. You know, we say here at Keystone that we are a judgment-free zone. What do you think God is? He is a judgment-free God. It does not matter what direction our lives have been in. It doesn't matter which way we've headed. We can never outrun His reach. And He will send His sheepdog goodness to turn you back and bring you home. So first, we need to place our complete confidence in Him, in the shepherd. Second, we need to recognize the shepherd's goodness and mercy. Once we have our confidence in Him, then we can recognize His goodness and mercy that are following us. He doesn't yell at you. He doesn't throw rocks at you. He doesn't say it serves you right. He just wants you to come home. He just wants a relationship with you. Can you imagine? I talk all the time to students about how 12 men turned the world upside down. How in the world could Christ come spend time with 12 men? They didn't go to seminary. They didn't go to any professional school or any professional training. How in the world could they shake the world up literally and turn it up upside down? Simply because they spent time with the master. Do you realize the master wants to spend time with you? With you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you're worried about. It doesn't matter what fear you have. He wants you to know that you can have complete confidence in Him and that He loves you and He just wants to be with you. You just have to make that choice to be with Him. In 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. For this cause, I obtained mercy. In Isaiah 60.10, it says, I will have mercy on you through my grace. Some of you are sitting back thinking, Jeff, where in the world did you get these names for these sheepdogs of goodness and grace? (laughs) From the Bible. In Exodus 34.6, Moses actually asked God, he says, I want to know you. And this was God's answer in Exodus 34, 6. It says, The Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness. God says, I am good. I am merciful. You can trust me. You don't have to worry about me. I just want you to come to me. I want to be with you. I will even send my goodness and mercy out to you to bring you back. We can have complete confidence in him. We can recognize his goodness and his mercy. You know, if we think back to the story of Jonah, right? Jonah disobeyed God completely. He hated the Ninevites. He didn't want to go preach to them. He didn't want God to save them. So what did he do? He turned and he ran. God could have ended Jonah at any time. But because of his goodness, what did he do? He sent a storm. They threw him in the ocean. And then he sent a large fish to swallow him and bring him back to shore. And then he spit Jonah out on the ocean or on the shore where Jonah made the wrong turn. And Jonah went back and he preached. And because of his mercy, he saved the entire city. I remember one time riding my bike. um, My brother and I had built a ramp to to jump. That's what boys do. 
My mom came out. She saw what we were doing. And she said, don't build the ramp. You don't need to do that. And definitely don't try to jump it. Went back inside. So what did I do? We built the ramp anyway, right? So we built the ramp. We jumped it. My brother went first. He landed fine. I went, jumped it, and landed perfectly. I hit the handlebars. My face did perfectly. Busted my lip. I ran inside. I had wrecked my bike. I went inside crying. I was bleeding. But my mom didn't look at me and say, I told you not to do it. I told you not to do that. See what happens when you don't uh, listen to me? See what happens when you disobey? Nope. Out of her goodness, she calmed me down. She cleaned me up. She wiped my tears away. And out of her mercy, I got cookies and milk. I got a treat. Why? Because of her goodness and her mercy. And that's what God does for us. Out of his goodness and his mercy, he doesn't want to judge you or worry about things that you've done before. He just wants you to come home, and he is there waiting for you. How? Because not only does David say, surely goodness and mercy for God in his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of my life. How does he end the verse? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Those uh, follow me all of my days. That follow is really pursue. He's not just following you. He's pursuing you. It's kind of like a police officer uh, chasing someone, right? He's not just following someone because they might get off somewhere. They might, you know, he, he might miss exactly what they're following. He's pursuing them relentlessly to catch them. It's kind of like when you're riding a roller coaster, right? If you're not in that first car and you're in another car and you're going up hills, valleys, twists, turns, no matter which direction, you know that other car is going to be right behind them on their heels, not going anywhere else but following that car. That's what God is. We learned from uh, Josh uh, several weeks ago where he talked about God's presence. And that's what number three is. First is complete confidence in the shepherd. Second is to recognize the uh, shepherd's goodness and mercy. And third is knowledge of the shepherd's presence. And we learned when we look at Psalms 23 that where is God? He is above me. He is below me. He is in front of me. He's behind me. He's right beside me. He has engulfed us, and he is right there with us the whole entire time. He is pursuing you. And whichever direction that you're going, he is looking to follow you just for what? Just to spend time with you, just to have a relationship with you. And that words um, shall follow me all the days of my life and dwell in the house of the Lord forever, they actually mean the same thing. But David is trying to word it in a way to where we can understand that God is not only pursuing you and with you all the days of your life, then you get to go to heaven and spend eternity, all the days of eternity, with him. So God is with you on earth, and you will be with God in heaven. Do you guys have a clear picture of what heaven's going to be like? Do we? Do you have a clear understanding in most books and most TV shows or movies, it pictures heaven as what? People wearing white robes. This thick fog around our feet, right? Some of us have wings. Some of us are playing harps. And it just, we're just laying around, relaxing, not doing anything. It's boring. Heaven's not that way. Now, I know some of you, I had you at relaxing and not doing anything. 
not have anything to do. That sounds like heaven, right? That sounds wonderful. But that, over time, will get so old. We'll want something to do. And we really don't have a clear crystal view of what heaven's going to be like. If you, if you imagine yourself on the beach, looking out over the ocean and seeing a beautiful sunset, it's beautiful, right? Or if you're on the mountaintop and you're looking over valleys, especially during the fall with all the colors changing, you're looking over the, uh, the fall, looking at the valleys and the mountaintops during a beautiful sunrise. Those are picturesque views. There are thousands of beautiful things here on earth, but you know what? They don't compare to heaven. Having us really understand what heaven is like, it's kind of like trying to get an ant to understand how cool the internet is. Can you get an ant to truly grasp and understand all the things that we can do now through the internet? No, it's impossible. You know what? It's the same way with us. In our finite minds, We cannot begin to grasp and understand what heaven is truly going to be like. So let's look at this. Let's look about at some things that won't be in heaven to hopefully give us a better picture of what heaven will be like. In Revelation, um, well, first in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has ever seen, has ever heard, no mind has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. That's why it's so hard for us to comprehend because we can't even imagine it. In Revelation 21, it says, there is no temple there. What? No temple? Yeah, the Old Testament. The temple was what? Where the people came to meet and see God, right? God's going to be in heaven. We don't need a temple. It also says says that there is no sun or moon. Why? Because God's glory shines bright and lights up everything. It says there are no shut gates. Really? Yeah. Because we're not living in Durham anymore, right? (laughs) This is not your parents' or your grandparents' world anymore. This is one of the things that causes us fear and anxiety and worry, right? Because back in those days, they could leave the door unlocked. They could leave the windows open. Everyone knew each other. Everyone trusted each other. Now, we have apps on our phone to make sure we know exactly where our kids are. If our kids go outside to play, we're with them. We're watching them. It's a completely different world now. But in heaven, there are no shut gates. Why? Because there's no crime. You don't need to lock up anything. It says there is no light there. Why? Because God is light and will light up everything. It says there is nothing impure or unclean. Now, see, for me, I'm OCD for cleaning. And I'm trying to imagine a world where I don't have to have Windex anymore. Right? My wife doesn't clean her home. I clean her home because I'm just OCD. That's just me. And to think heaven, there is no impure or unclean thing. I don't have to clean anything. Really? Oh, man. It's a whole nother world. It says there is no immorality. There is no shame. When's the last time you felt shameful? When's the last time because of something you said, something you did, you felt ashamed? In heaven, there is no shame. There is no deceit. It says that only peoples whose name are written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. Well, that means if you know Jesus as Savior, you go to heaven. If you don't, you don't. It's really that simple. There is no maybe, there is no gray area. 
In Revelation 21, 4, it says, God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. All of that is gone forever. I have a list. This list is to give us, we understand how life is here on earth. We understand the things that we have to deal with on earth. We understand those kind of things. So to give us a clear picture of what heaven will be like, listen to this list. I'm going to go through A through Z. These are things that will not be in heaven to hopefully help us to understand a little better. You ready? A, there are no accidents, no anxiety, no aches, no acne, and no ants. Because ants are some worrisome things. B, no bullies, no broken hearts, no bad hair days, no baldness. Hey, we get to see some guys with hair, right? C, no cancer. C, no cancer. No crime, no car trouble, no cellulite, no cavities. D, no dead ends, no delays, no dirty dishes, no diapers, no dementia. E, no earthquakes, no errors, no fakes, no garbage, no hunger, no hurricanes, no irritations, no insecurities, no uh, injustice, no indigestion, (laughs) no jackets. Right? Weather there would be perfect. You don't need a jacket. No keys to misplace or to lose. M, no mosquitoes, no misunderstanding, no miscommunication. Can you imagine a world where a man and a woman will have a conversation and you're on the same page? You understand each other. There's no miscommunication. There's no misunderstanding. That's heaven. N, no night, no no-sayer, no old age. No prejudice, no political campaigns, no quarrels, no racism, no receding hairlines, no sales calls, no traffic, no taxes, no unhappiness, no varicose veins, no wars, no worry. X, Y, Z, you can figure those out for yourself. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place. Don't you want to go? Are you going to be there? I hope and pray that through this series, you're able to say, because of Jesus, plus nothing still equals everything. Because we can be like David and have our focus on the shepherd. Because when we realize God's presence, that He is with us, and that one day we will be home in heaven with Him for eternity, we will recognize His goodness and mercy is following us. By doing that, we can have complete confidence in the Shepherd, our Savior. I hope and pray that through this series, if you do not know the Great Shepherd, you will come to know Him. If you do know him, I pray that through this series, you have come to know him better. Because I know that heaven is a wonderful place. And I'm going to go and going to be there and enjoy it. 
and you can too, as long as you know Jesus as your Savior. Let's pray. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.